You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast, our eighth post-game podcast episode of this 2020 season. Penn State going eight for eight on these regular season matchups. We'll see what week nine has in store for these Nittany Lions. James Franklin saying after the game today, not quite sure yet. And uh, Sunday's going to be a little bit different than the normal Sunday because they don't quite know who to prepare for. But what we do know is the Penn State Nittany Lions, after falling into an 0-5 pit of despair, have won three consecutive games. And they've done so by a double-digit margin in in each instance. This one, a bit different than the last two where they got out to early leads they faced a 21-10 halftime deficit against Michigan State. And Sean kind of felt like Groundhog Day again, where this team fell up, was falling apart in the second quarter of a home game against Maryland, against Ohio State, against Iowa. They faced that double-digit halftime deficit. They never really came close to digging themselves out of that hole. Instead, this time around, they did that and then some en route to a 39-24 victory. Well, it's really remarkable just to watch this team and see how frustrating it can be when you, when you do the same things over and over again and fall behind like that in the first half. And then, you know, typically, you know, this is Penn State. It's been a, it's been a second half team for years. But at the same time, you, you get sick of relying on that. And that's really where, where you kind of were at halftime and be like, okay, with this team that's won two games to date, are they going to have enough juice to come back around? To their credit, they did and they did it fairly convincingly. But at the same time, you just, it, it, you had a license to be frustrated with this one because to me, Really, in that first half, the talent gap was there. Even even though the, you know you look at the scoreboard, and we'll get to the the chronological rundown and everything like that. But even on things like Sean Clifford's touchdown run in the in the second quarter, you're just like Penn State is way more talented than these guys and way more organized. You know, but it's just like something always happened. It was a penalty. It was just uh you know picking the wrong hole and and, and making a wrong decision and throwing the ball away or something. It was just something. Always one thing that really. Um, jump them back. And, and I, I really can't think of a better example than Penn State's first defensive drive when Jaquan Brisker finally breaks through, finally gets a pick. He's been so close several times. And then he fumbles on the return and Michigan State gets a fresh set of down. So it's just, that's kind of about, it's just about right for this team, really. Brisker was shot out of a cannon. And that was like the perfect scenario, catching that ball in stride. You could see that coming and you thought, Oh boy, this young quarterback, uh, the, the red shirt freshman who got the start today, uh, for Michigan State, um, uh, Peyton Thorne, uh, w- with Rocky Lombardi, uh, not involved today. Their, their typical starter. You thought, oh, it's going to be a long day for, for Peyton Thorne. Uh, he changed that narrative in the second quarter and then Penn State responded in the second half. We're going to kind of get to this whole deal, but, uh, Sean, ultimately a 15 point victory. Uh, does Vegas know what they're doing? I, I think so. I think so. It was 14 and a half. And, and if you took Penn State in this game, I'm sure no one out there did. Um, wink, wink. You probably were freaking out at halftime, seeing that 11-point deficit, figuring Penn State might get out of this one by the skin of their teeth. Instead, Sean, was two seconds left in the third quarter, this team takes the lead on, on a Will Levis touchdown plunge. And we'll talk about that too. Will Levis, again, extensively involved as a runner in this matchup. Two more touchdowns tacked on after that, a long-distance one uh, to Parker Washington, who had himself another big day, and then Jahan Dotson, an 81-yard touchdown return. It was three touchdowns in a matter of three minutes and 28 seconds, and although Beaver Stadium was empty, you looked at the sideline, you felt the, the felt the vibes, felt the momentum from the field. The party was on in Beaver Stadium for the first time this entire year. It has been, I've said it before, a house of horrors thus far, just spiraling each of those home games. Instead, it was like, whoa, Penn State found something here, and they were able to carry that the rest of the way through, winning 39-24, to sending out these seniors, all of them, some of them, none of them. We don't know what the senior class is going to do with their decision and the NCAA eligibility. But they got to take this strange walk afterwards, a lap around the field in an empty stadium. And I'll put it this way. If they're not home next week for this week nine uh, shindig that that the Big Ten wants to put on, I certainly hope we never see an environment like that at Beaver Stadium again. It was a, it was a picturesque Saturday. Mark Brennan has mentioned this before in his grades the last few weeks. I don't know if there's been better home weather 
for, for a season that I've covered at Penn State than we have this year. We got to get everybody back. We got to get the tailgates back. And I just hope that we're there by next fall where that's a feasible option. Because it was sad to see that final senior lap. And I'm sure those guys, I'd imagine, will get their recognition in front of a Beaver Stadium crowd at some point. But, Sean, you, you come away and it's like the energy was there. But, man, you, you just it just magnifies missing what a Beaver Stadium crowd is like when the momentum swings toward the Nittany Lions and they grab it like that. And it's and it's almost like you're not watching college football at all. I mean, you, you're listening to the soundtrack of of the same crowd going over and over again, and sort of just kind of waiting for the those reactions to come. And you know, to, to to Penn State's credit, the body language has been better the last couple of weeks. That's what winning will do for you. And they've really kind of not uh, not fallen down. And and you know, Michigan's not any good. Rutgers not any good. Michigan State not very good at themselves. But at the same time, Penn State, not exactly a dominant football team. Shaka Tony said after the game, this is a spot where they haven't lost a lot over the years, especially over his career. And, you know, for for them, the prospect of going 0-4 there is, is really unthinkable. So it's uh, it, it really came back around. I know nobody is happy with a 3-5 and season, but, you know, you get a little bit of momentum coming out of this. We don't know what's going to happen next week and how many of these Big Ten games that they're going to play. Uh, what the formula is, because we saw last night that uh, it's going to be Minnesota and Wisconsin likely to to replay or not to replay to, um, I guess, re- reschedule their game that they were supposed to play early in the season. So it kind of throws everything out of whack um, here in Illinois is probably going to be where Penn State ends up. But it's just uh, it, it's just a different uh a different setting, a different feeling that you got out of this game um, and just. Thank goodness Penn State won from our, from our aspect because I, I I sat there in the first half just thinking what what are we going to talk about because it's the same talking points over and over again you get tired of listening to them we get tired of talking about them it's just keep it just keeps happening over and over and over again and also what we're you know what we're seeing over the final few games here is really going to in a lot of ways define the way that we're talking about this team going into the off season and and the months ahead and and hopefully in the spring practices because. The 0 and 5 stuff that's it's it's always going to be there. It's going to be a major sting. It's going to be a major stench in what happened in 2020. But the more wins you build up toward the end of this deal, and maybe they'll have a shot a shot to finish at 500 when it's all said and done. The, the, at least you put that in the rearview mirror a little bit, and you try to say that's not who Penn State football is. We're we're trending towards something different, and and wait till you see what we have in store for 2021. You know, you and want you, the coaching you staff to sell crum- that. You didn't completely crumble either when you could. Yeah, exactly. You could have very easily could have done that, and that's I think that's really the thing to take away from it. Uh, nobody's going to be happy, even if you get to 500. Nobody's going to be really happy with the season. But all things considered, where they were standing three weeks ago, you'll certainly take it. It restores faith in in the culture, if anything, of what Penn State has in that locker room, what they have in, in the relationship. And look, I, I just posted a couple of pictures and um, that, that our photographer Harvey took over the last five-week, four-week sample size. One was after that Iowa game when you had two quarterbacks who had just been benched, essentially, and you, and you had a terrible loss at home, and there's just a bunch of frowns and, and confused faces. The other picture next to that was from after the game today, and it's Shane Simmons, the senior who put together one of his best performances of his college career today, starting in place of Jason O.A. He's, he's holding James Franklin over his shoulder. The entire team, freshmen, seniors, are gathered around, and their smiles ear to ear on these kids' faces. I mean, look, it, 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 there have been some really, really ugly circumstances that have happened in college football for some of these teams that have lost early, and the way their season transpired into November and now into December. Kudos to, to Penn State. It hasn't been pretty. <laughs> They've put together some really ugly halves the last couple of weeks, second half at Rutgers, first half this week, um, that, that don't make you feel good about things. But you get to the end of these games, and for the third consecutive week, it, it, it's, it's a pretty significant margin. Last week, it's 16 points. This week, again, it's 16 points. The week before, you win by 10 at Michigan. And Michigan State's a program that has some years ahead of them to, to get back to where they want to be. If they want to get to anywhere close to where they were going to the college football playoff you know, only five years ago, this is not a tremendous team that just came into town against uh, against the squad in Beaver Stadium. Rutgers is not a world beater. This is not the Michigan of old that you're seeing, but... Penn State was 0-5, now they're 3-5, and they got a shot for a fourth consecutive win, and according to these players, they're up for the prospects of, go- of going for a fifth win after that. So that is a, a, a much different direction, the way the ball is rolling, the way these conversations on the post-game podcast are going, because again, I, I said this earlier this week, 
we thought 0 and 8 was on the table. I mean, we just wanted to see how this team was going to react. If they went out and to Michigan and fell flat, you could see them going to New Jersey and, and falling even more flat. Uh, that has not happened. And, and I think that speaks to something about the, re- the relationship in that building because that's all they got right now. There's a lot of isolation involved and, and there's about uh, 130, 140 people who are involved with this process from the supporting staff to the players and that's all they really got right now. So I think what you're seeing, the, the finishing product after four quarters, however it may happen and however they get there, you're seeing positive results. Yeah, you're seeing positive results. You saw positive results right away as Penn State uh, got the, the turnover early, gave it right back. Really didn't hurt them. It was just more of a uh, probably a more a morale blow when you take a look at, oh, okay, Brisker finally gets his takeaway, then all of a sudden gives it right back. Penn State did get the ball back a couple of plays later from a punt. They went right down the field, as we've seen on the first drive a few times. Or I, I don't know. I don't have the stats in front of me, but the first drive seemingly has not been much of an issue for Penn State. They've gotten points out of it um, sometimes, and, and this time – they get down there and there's that red zone again. Mm. And all of a sudden, the brick wall, <laughs> the brick wall. And they got in this time, but there, of course, was a flag. Will Fry's flag for uh, a bit of a chokehold uh, hold um, that, that negated a Kevon Lee touchdown. So you're turning six into, into three. And that's where these, these sort of uh, themes that have come through all year. We, we do that stat breakdown uh, every so often on lines 24 seven, where we talk about these key stats and it's just, it's so I- incriminating how these just keep popping up over and over again and, and red zone conversion percentage, red zone, red zone touchdown percentage to be more specific just keeps coming through. And uh, you know, of course looking at halftime, you're down 21 to 10 that's one of those things that just keeps popping up is where you're leaving four points here and there that could just completely turn a game on its head and now later on the Penn State defense made a big stop inside inside the 10 with Michigan State at the doorstep and and that proved to be a swing but you're right uh you know a long drive to start out for Penn State uh, I'm looking at the, I do have the stat sheet here in front of me um I think it was a 60, a 12 play drive there Sean to, to start things out uh, getting you know getting down and, and settling for a 24 yard field goal as you said Kevon Lee looked like he punctuated it with a touchdown ended up being a pretty quiet day for Kevon Lee uh 30 some yards on the ground 45 yards total had a couple catches Devin Ford for whatever reason not involved today he was in uniform uh, I'm go- going to assume based on Franklin's postgame comments that were kind of a blanket statement about guys who we didn't see. He wasn't available because of something that, that he carried out of the Rutgers game with him. Um, so it, it, set that aside for now. But you saw a lot of involvement early from some of the other freshmen. Kevon Lee didn't score that touchdown, but Brenton Strange for the second consecutive week was a key factor on the opening drive for Penn State. Parker Washington setting the tone for, for a big day for himself uh, was involved early in the in this uh, matchup as well. The twelve yard catch on the on the third play from scrimmage, um, and, and Sean, you're just kind of seeing it all over the field over the course of this game. Uh, Kevon Lee, uh, Parker Washington, Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson heavily involved again. Uh, didn't see much of Isaiah Holmes, but. I think you really, um, you know, what you're putting out there on the offensive side of the football, a lot of games getting under these guys' belts, which bodes well for you moving ahead into 2021. Absolutely. You're starting to like some of those positions. I mean, obviously, all the talk at tight end coming into the year was about Pat Fryermuth, but I think Brenton Strange has looked terrific. I think Theo Johnson, what we've seen from him has been really good. So really excited to see those guys moving forward. And then, of course, Parker Washington, phenomenal once again. Keandre Lambert-Smith, very good. Um, so, yeah, you got those young guys that are moving forward and, and getting there. And uh, that's certainly got to make you a little, at least a little bit more confident going into the spring. Defensively, Penn State seemed to be, you know, right on point as you get through the first quarter. And, you know, Peyton Thorne starting, I think, starting his first game. He, he came on as a substitute last week, but starting his first game, I won't say he looked a little rattled, but it took him a little bit to get in the groove. But man, once he got in the groove, you, you got the same theme that comes back every time you see a Penn State, uh, the secondary face a new quarterback or face any quarterback, really. He started his Heisman campaign by, uh, completing 12 passes in a row, throwing three touchdowns. Second quarter, he was 10 for 10 for 190 yards and three touchdowns. That is insane. He was putting the ball in some ridiculous spots. Penn State, of course, helped him out a little bit at times, you know, just being off a little bit. And, you know, he was finding those windows to his credit. But, man, it was just uh, it was a little bit of everything, uh, a little bit of I mean, it was the safeties, the, co- the corners, which we have said and we have thought have played pretty well up into this point. 
I mean, Joey Porter, Daquan Hardy, those guys, uh, Ke- uh, Keaton Ellis have all rough you know, day for Mr. Hardy. R- rough day for a rough day for Mr. Hardy. I would say a rough day for all of those guys, but yeah, Hardy got be- got beat on the big play up top. Jalen Jalen Nayer, yeah, yeah, that was bad. Um, but forty five yard touchdown to Jalen Naylor. Uh, Trayvon Morgan, all six seven of them was triple covered. Although triple coverage is probably a loose uh, you know categoriz- categorization of of what Penn State was doing there. Um, but he got a twenty eight yard touchdown. Went back to Naylor for the seven yard touchdown. So three straight drives for for a Michigan State offense that has struggled all year. Year, uh, three straight drives, three straight touchdowns. I mean, just came absolutely out of nowhere. And, you know, you're just kind of left staggering if you're Penn State in the second quarter. And you're talking about that defensive secondary for the fifth consecutive game now. Feels like forever. No Tariq Castro Fields uh, on the field when action commenced. Again, in uniform. Again, part of that pregame warm-up. But by the time it was uh, ready for kickoff, he was in street clothes. Not sure what his situation is. We heard from Franklin this week. We heard, you know, through Terry Smith, the cornerbacks coach, that they felt optimistic Tariq Castro Fields will be able to play. Guy who's played 40 games in his Nittany Lions career, but you do wonder how this season has turned out for him, what it felt like this season could be for him as a second year starter at cornerback. Could we see maybe him, uh, you know, turn to, to, to an extra year of eligibility? We'll, we'll find out. That's a, that's a, it's a cornerback room with a lot of young talent, but, uh, he is also a guy that you thought you could count on this year, just has not been available. When you mentioned that second quarter, uh, that we saw from Thorne, uh, my mind drifted to the 2018 opener and Zach Thomas in the fourth quarter for Appalachian State when he just all of a sudden lit it up and and it was proved to be an outlier and I know we're going to talk a lot about the second half um, you know for the second part of this show and kind of flip the whole script but just the the, the basic stats here uh, the raw stats of the day that was for Peyton Thorne you mentioned it 10 for 10 for 190 and three touchdowns in that second quarter the rest of the day the other three quarters he was 12 of 29 135 yards in that interception you mentioned to Jaquan Brisker. So make sense of that what you will. Second quarter, Michigan State 220 yards to Penn State's 85. 12.2 yards per play for Michigan State in the second quarter. Uh, that's that's not going to get it done. Penn State just uh, staggering on both sides of the ball. They got a, a nice 31-yard touchdown uh, run from Sean Clifford there, uh, but really no, not much rhythm. Uh, flipping in quarterbacks in and out, uh, very disjointed, very boring, I would say. Would probably be the most, uh, e- probably the easiest way to say or to categorize Penn State's offense on Saturday, especially very in the first half. Very second half Rutgers. Very second half Rutgers game. Like it was, a lot of that was a carryover, didn't it feel like? It, it it is and and that's my biggest takeaway from the first half i would say big picture little picture two things have really uh, dictated this season for Penn State, for, for this team, for the staff. Um, it, from game to game, it's been turnovers. It, it, Penn State showed that it doesn't have much trust in the guy that's touching the ball every play, which is the quarterback. And that's, that is scary to me when you take a look at what you're trying to, to accomplish and how you're trying to basically not let your own quarterback beat you. And I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that, that's really tough to sit back and watch because it takes away so many options. It essentially takes away the entire middle of the field, which is something that Kirk Shirak has had a ton of success with over his career running those slants and things like that. But Penn State just trying to stay out of harm's way and maybe having your defense or your special teams step up and do it. And sometimes that defense has not been able to step up and do it. Special teams the same. Now they made some certainly some big plays in the second half today and and, and did really well. But it's been very, very uh, concerning to see that. And it, it just feels like it's sort of a microcosm of what Penn State's done this year. When we talk to James Franklin, so much COVID talk in there is just, you know, you're so afraid to misstep at that because it can lead to much bigger, you know, problems within your program. It seems that way with the offensive play calling is if you, you know, if you take the ball and, you know, let your quarterbacks do some more, you're playing that risk factor. And that's, that to me is probably the biggest takeaway from, from what I saw in the first half. It it really, it was bad. I mean, I I took a shower at halftime. That's how bad it was. Um, And it was like, like what are you what are you doing here? Like what what is the the end game to bring in these quarterbacks and flip them in and out and you know run a couple of uh, you know QB powers and and it's just it, it was it was bad it was it was boring it was bad it was and that you know both of those things you know you can you can deal with bad football at times but 
you know, at least be entertaining, go out there and sling it around a little bit, do something. And that's just not, uh, it's not what we saw in the first half. And that, that's concerning to me. It's, it's, it's disappointing, frankly. And, and again, excuse me, as I choke on myself again, uh, I, I think this is very different than what we're going to see from this uh, offense once it eventually gets installed, when they have time to actually get it in and, and go for it. I think Kirk Shiraka, again, a smart guy, a, a guy that's had a lot of success in, in doing what he's doing. And and the fact is, I don't think we've seen what he's doing or, or what he's done in the past. I don't see this offense um, you know, replicating what, uh, what you saw in the last couple of weeks. I feel like Penn State has gone out there and done enough to beat the other team, and and at the end of the day, that's what that's what we're this we're this that's what all this is about, right? Is beating the other team, but just beating them with the minimum that you have to do is not a fun way to 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 play football, to watch football, to uh, I guess recruit going off of football. So it's uh it, it it's been concerning to see that. I, again, I don't think it's the long term goal to have quarterbacks run the ball twenty four times in a, in a game, but at the same time, you're trying to do and trying to push this thing across the line in the 2020 season and just doing whatever you can to uh, to, to sort of put yourself in a position to maybe win by a field goal, win by a touchdown, something like that. And luckily, Penn State's been a little bit luckier than that over the last couple of weeks. A couple of things there. You mentioned a lot of the quarterback running 24 carries combined, as you said. Uh, I, I do wonder, <laughs> you know, how much is that is deflecting off of the running back situation without Devin Ford seemingly available to play today. You've got Kevon Lee, you've got the fellow freshman, Kaziah Holmes. So it, it appears they've been hesitant to, to really give Kaziah Holmes a lot of touches, uh, two carries for eight yards today. Um, you know, there's a lot that goes in there. He's, he's been involved here and there, a little bit of pass protection occasionally, but really just not a lot of uh, football under his belt to this point. Uh, Will Levis has essentially become a, a, a one of the running backs it feels like yeah Yeah. I mean uh, and and then the other thing is you mentioned the turnovers Um, today the only turnover against Penn State was Jaquan Brisker who you know finally got that interception he said this week you know that that's really the thing that he felt like was the next step for him was becoming a guy who get his hands on the football bring that ball down and give his team possession got off to a great start but but didn't maintain it because he fumbled but the offense didn't have a turnover today, and that's the second time in three weeks, Sean, where this offense has not turned the ball over. And when I say this offense, we're looking directly at Sean Clifford. He had 10 turnovers in the first five games. Three of those led to defensive touchdowns. Um, you know, Another interception last week in windy conditions, a poorly placed pass. He was missing high a lot. But today he had a couple misses that, again, were toward the sideline, were beyond anybody. Uh, and there was a moment there where you talked about hitting that brick wall in the red zone the play before Jake Pinniger's field goal attempt, a third down, he third and goal, I believe, from the seven-yard line. Clifford's rolling to his right, has a little bit of time, had some options, but I'm telling you, watching downfield, no one was open. Everyone was well covered. I felt like maybe earlier in the season, and it was good to see him not do it, he pulls the trigger there. He tries to create something uh, and, and puts the ball in the air and in the end zone where who knows what happens. It gets tipped up. Someone else gets their hands on it. You come away with nothing. The, the door slams shut. He ran for a one-yard gain out of bounds after surveying the situation. You got three points out of the drive. You put the ball in Michigan State's hand and let your team play defense with a 3 nothing lead. That, to me, there was a few signs, a few steps forward I've seen from Sean Clifford. And by the way, I think this might surprise some people. Today was his third touchdown run of 25-plus yards this season. Um, and, and another thing that's going to surprise some people that I know I was pretty surprised by He's at 5,170 career total yards. Make of that what you will. But he passes Ty Blackledge, Michael Robinson on the all-time total yardage record for Penn State. I thought that was pretty astounding. That's pretty remarkable when you throw those names around now. Obviously, offense is, uh, is a little bit different from when those guys played, but still. It shows you how much uh, football, I think, that, like, we're so used to, I mean, there's almost a part of me that says Sean Clifford's the guy who replaced Trace McSorley, uh, and, and you still feel like he's, like, he's played a lot of football on his own now. He's, he's got a really big sample size, which is kind of the issue that we had talked about through over the course of the season. We've seen a lot of Sean Clifford. What more do you want to see? At the same time, two of three weeks now, uh, no turnovers. And and to me, say what you will about the, the offense, and, and I agree, but I, I certainly do not think this is a finished product or anywhere close to it for, for Kirk Shiraka. But if we're looking for signs of progress paired with these victories, 
ball security has to be a check in the positive box. And and safer throws, safer spots that he's put in. And, the, and to be honest with you, some of the safer stuff has has opened up and I guess spread out the defense a little bit more, led to a touchdown today for Parker Washington. Just kind of, you know, that's the simple stuff that, that we kind of take for granted. Those couple of, uh, you know, these these three or four yard gains on those on those little pitch outs and things like that. I mean, that, that stuff kind of adds up and then sets up. So uh, that, I think that's really where it's gone in the last couple of weeks. I still still think there's not uh, a ton of, uh, I guess, uh, what am I trying to say here? I don't think there's a ton of ex- exotic calls or anything like that that's trying to you know make this uh, an offense that is – uh, really spread out and really just sort of a go-go type thing. Um, but you're, you're making the safe calls. You're, you're running a lot with your quarterbacks who you think could hold onto the football. I think that's probably the biggest trust aspect there. Um, you know, whether that's the right thing to do, uh, long term, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it, to me, it goes back to it doesn't seem like there's a ton of trust there for these guys to run the overall offense to make the big plays, but to get to just sort of dink and dunk down the field and do what they have to do and with the run and the pass. I think that's where, where they're looking for that. The QB conversation is going to loom large. We've said it before, going into this winter, coming out of this winter, uh, it's going to be the QB conversation that, that it's it's going to be a lot. It's We're not going to stop talking about it, but we have stopped talking about the turnovers when it comes to Sean Clifford for now. Uh, it, sometimes that can feel like a ticking time bomb because of the experience of the first five games, what we saw there, and then Levis got a shot and you saw fumbles there. But the games that we're talking about right now and the win streak, Sean Clifford and ball security – has been a key component of getting to getting those W's. A lot of a lot of concern in that first half. We just covered a lot of it. Second half, much better, a much rosier outlook. And and it turns out when Sean Clifford gets the ball in his hands of some of these playmakers, Penn State has some really good things can happen. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some impressive senior performances on the defensive side of the football as well. Stay with us right here on the Lions twenty four seven post game podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Continuing here on the Lions 24-7 post-game podcast, recapping a 39-24 victory for Penn State over the Michigan State Spartans here, uh, win number three in a row. And when this team emerged for the third quarter, I think it was fair for everyone to wonder, for us to wonder, for fans to wonder, probably for the team to wonder what kind of a product they were going to put on the field because the three previous matchups here in Beaver Stadium where they fell behind by that double-digit halftime margin – they did not look good in the second half. Uh, they, they hung around maybe, but oftentimes it continued to get worse into that third quarter. We found out pretty quickly what this Penn State team was ready to accomplish because it was a lengthy drive to start things off. 11 plays, 75 yards, almost five minutes, Sean, going the distance. Sean Clifford caps it off with an eight-yard touchdown pass to freshman Parker Washington, who was fantastic with the body control, with taking a shot from a, a Michigan State defender and holding onto that ball in the end zone. And they say, let's make this a three-point game, stay on the field. Sean Clifford then uh, provided some time, finds Jahan Dotson over in the middle, and it's a 21-18 game, and you think, okay, this Nittany Lions team is ready to uh, ready to battle. Well, Penn State came out and they, they threw it around. They weren't afraid to throw it around a little bit, spread it around. Guys like Lambert Smith and Dotson had some big catches. And you, you really buried the lead on this one, man. You, you Absolutely you, buried the lead. Will Levis threw the ball. He he actually threw the ball. So uh, good for him. It, it, it's something they've been building to. I don't know if it's been uh, setting everything up for the first drive of the third quarter against Michigan State, but he actually threw the ball. He actually completed some passes. Um, Penn State gets on the board and, you, and you're thinking, okay, down 11. Uh, things not going well at all. So just to be in this position, to be three points down, um, you know, you can talk about whether or not it's the right call to to go for two at that point. But at the same time, hey, Penn State scored. Don't worry about it. Just forget about it. It's not a big deal. And they turn around, defense buckles down, and you think, okay, this is where Penn State, you've seen the talent gap kind of flash in this in this instance during the game. But this is where Penn State can, can take over. They have a one-yard loss. 
throw two incompletions and Michigan gets the ball back, uh, or excuse me, Michigan State gets the ball back. It's, uh, it's not exactly the complimentary football that they've been pining for all season long. Michigan State drives down. They get a free first down from Shaka Tony who jumped off sides and, and they get inside to the, to the Penn State four. This to me is the biggest sequence of the game. No question about it. Um, you get a, a short tackle for loss from Ellis Brooks, Jonathan Sutherland on another tackle, and then Shane Simmons, uh, drops back into coverage, tips a pass that goes in the end zone, and Michigan State has to settle for a field goal, which is absolutely huge. And while we're on that subject, I would like to applaud Shane Simmons. I know you would like to as well. Seven tackles, two tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. His career certainly has not played out the way that, that many thought it would, especially, you know, given how he came into the program. But it's really cool. This is a cool thing about college athletics. A guy like that, that has been through a lot during his career, that's, you know, well respected. You heard his teammates talking, uh, you and I heard his teammates talking about him after, um, the game about, you know, what they think about Shane Simmons as, as a person. Um, it's just really cool. And, and like I said, it's, it hasn't played out to plan, but at the same time for him to put up these numbers to, to come in and, and have what I think would be his best game. I don't know that he's got a laundry list of games that we could run up against this, but he, he, he really stepped up and did a great job and you should be commended for that it was a game where they needed him too jason away not on the field um in street clothes on the sideline uh james franklin said he came out of that Rutgers game with a medical issue um so we'll we'll see what jason's status is moving forward but shane simmons called upon as you know five years after being the five-star recruit and even i mean penn state fans have known him for what seven eight years sean he he was committed before his junior year if i recall correctly there at the math catholic a national name and five years later, he's, you know, what, 23 years old. He's, he's backing up a redshirt sophomore. You're wondering what you're going to get out of him. You're wondering what he's getting out of this experience. And he comes out, and you know what he said after the game? Um, this makes him want more. This makes him want to get more sacks and, and have more big moments. And um, we'll see. He, he's been one of those interesting names when we talk about the extra eligibility. And he stepped up today. And I think when you look at the defensive end room with Shaka Tony and, and anticipating his exit from campus, Maybe there's an opportunity there that makes sense for both sides. But six years playing college football and living that lifestyle, I don't know if that's for everybody. I don't know if that's for Shane Simmons, who I think has a lot going on off the field as well. But uh, great to see. Uh, you mentioned the stats there, and and he was the guy who was lifting up James Franklin after the game, and just a lot of exuberance uh, in that post-game press conference as well from him. And I had the second question with James Franklin, and there's always a ton to get to. And, and just from our first half of this podcast, clearly there was a bunch that could have been asked, but I went directly to Shane Simmons uh, in that topic and, and just wanted to hear what Franklin said. And I think Franklin did say he's he was on their radar before his freshman year. And I remember Shane Simmons, you know, road trip or car uh, carpool into camps with his teammate, a year younger than him, Chase Young. And look where Chase Young is now with his career. Same position, same kind of big time recruitment. I have to imagine there's a lot, uh, you know, a, a lot. A lot around Shane Simmons, not just from the fans, but also probably internally wondering what could have been with some instances and medical stuff and just getting it done with performance. Today, it, I think this was a big moment for him. And, and I love this song. When he came out and every time he made a big play, this, the song request he put in was Frank Sinatra's My Way, which you don't usually hear after a sack coming off the field. But we heard it a few times today because he made he, he made that happen. He, he came up with a play after play, and he was a guy who warranted your attention. This was not just a, a happy senior day story, although it was that. He made plays that were necessary, including a couple on third down. He had a big first uh, first quarter third down sack as well. Penn State got the, or held Michigan State to the field goal. They come right back. They hit big plays to Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington to get down to the one. You think they're going to run the, the clock out on the quarter, but Levis hammers it in for the touchdown. 15 to three in the third quarter kind of completely flipped the script. Penn State owning the tempo. Um, and then really you, you just kind of sit back and let your defense kind of not take over, but you let your defense uh, handle the situation. They did so. They started to get some pressure. Jonathan Sutherland and Adisa Isaac combined for a sack on third down and yeah those numbers that you mentioned earlier Peyton Thorne uh, 10 of his last 25 after going 10 of 10 in the second quarter uh, that's that's quite a stark contrast right there that was more of what you anticipated really the full game going you had Michigan State scoring 13 points in your prediction and and I had Michigan State scoring 10 points in my prediction I had we both had them winning by 16 points and, and by them I mean Penn State and so that margin proved correct but 
that we did not expect that second quarter kind of surge from from a, an offense that ranked dead last in the Big Ten in points per game, dead last in the Big Ten in yards per game. What we saw in the second half, that was more on brand for what the Michigan State Spartans football team has been here in 2020. And you buried the lead this time because on that touchdown drive in which you appropriately said hammered it into the end zone, there was a lot of there was a lot of collisions for 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 Will Levis going uh, dishing out and taking over the course of this game. He threw for two pass completions during that drive, including a 30-plus yard pickup to Jahan Dotson. So three for three on the day for Will Levis. And 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 before these throws, Sean, I finally went back and tracked it. 27 runs for Will Levis before his previous pass, which was in the second quarter at home against Iowa on November 21st. Uh, that is the length of time we're talking about. 27 runs without a throw from a quarterback. If you're wondering where Penn State stands in the grand spectrum of 2020 offenses, we're talking about the the, the backup quarterback or the you know the optional quarterback actually throwing a pass. So they, that's kind of where we're at right now. But uh, you know, it, it seems to have worked. Penn State, uh, you know, get back down there and, and offensively they start they struck right back. Um, really cool kind of uh, concept here. Penn State early in the game had had done this pump fake on a screen, a receiver screen to Jahan Dotson. They they sent Parker Washington up the field on a on a little bit of a modified wheel route, and the the, the defense just bailed with him. Clifford came right back to Jahan Dotson. I think he picked up like ten or eleven yards in a first down. But you went right back to it in the second uh, the second half, and bam, people bit our the Michigan State defenders bit on Dotson. Both of them flying upfield. Parker Washington wide open. Clifford put it where he needed to. Washington forty nine yards later, and you know you feel like it's it's interesting because it's a a two score game or some somewhere thereabouts, uh, and it feels like a blowout. That's that's where you saw this Michigan State team. You saw you know you didn't you didn't really feel threatened by their offense despite Peyton Thorne going all Superman on you in the second quarter. You didn't feel like that Michigan State was going to be able to 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 quick strike and get back into the game. So Penn State came out there. They got the big play on the screen. Washington defense gets another stop and then Jahan Dotson who was an absolute dude on Saturday 81 yard punt return for the touchdown that one kind of put it out uh, a special team spark Sean a special team spark and I know we're going to mention this later but Kickoff return. You got something out of that spot too today. So a good day for special teams returners. Exactly. Uh, going back to Dotson, eight catches for 108 yards. Obviously a go-to guy, very reliable target, 189 total yards. And you, you add the punt return in there. Um, it, it's interesting. Does he have a decision to make now? That's a big question. Uh, you know, I know we talked about him and he's kind of been hot and cold this season based on what the offense has done, made the big plays against Ohio State, uh, when everybody was watching. It's going to be really interesting because I, I, I don't know that he's going to, you know, project as one of the top receivers if we were to declare for this draft, but I think there's a, a, certainly an opportunity for him to play professional ball next year. So it's going to be interesting to see if he has a decision to make. He said after the game, he'd love to play in a bowl game or next week. And that's, kind of the focus to where that's been but uh also added the caveat of you only get so many opportunities in blue and white or to wear the blue and white so you were in the you were in the interview i was not but just reading those words on a screen or on paper is kind of uh you think maybe the wheels are turning there you think maybe maybe he thinks his days are numbered in the blue and white you know that's what you want to gather uh from that comment but We'll, we'll see what Jahan Dotson, uh, obviously, is going to get some feedback from, from NFL scouting reports. And obviously, he has his own circumstances to deal with. Um, not everybody needs to see that that day one or day two grade to, to make it the right decision for them. So something to keep in mind there. How about this stat? Uh, Jahan Dotson, one of three Big Ten players this century, Sean, to have 100 yards receiving and a punt return for a touchdown in the same game. Since 2000, Steve Breston from Michigan back in 2006 and Brandon Williams for Wisconsin back in 2005. So he's the first guy to do that in 14 years. Of course, the legendary Brandon Williams. Who could forget? Uh, by yeah, this I point didn't know that game, one either. <laughs> yeah, that, that was not on my radar. Um, by this point in this game, Penn State fairly well in hand. They threw four passes over the last 23 minutes and 37 seconds of this game, if my math is correct, which oftentimes it's not. 
Um, they had one very, very poor four minute offense drive and one very good one that was mostly Will Levis. And, uh, he eventually got lit up on fourth down. Penn State made it sweat, made you sweat, especially if you had a certain 14 and a half point number. Um, but they closed it out to their credit. They, they kept that, uh, that win. And, uh, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't the prettiest. You, you're not going to forget about that first half, but they, they made enough plays and, and really felt like in the second half, they, they got over that hump. Uh, again, not letting go of the first half at all or anything like that, but you felt a little bit better after that, uh, after that run they made in the second half. You felt, it felt more normal. It felt like the last couple of years when you could see this team, you know, putting up 21 points in a quarter or something like that. And they just kind of got going in the right direction. Um, you know, it seems like they've been doing sort of the minimum to win the games and, and the results certainly support that. Um, but you know, you, you get that win. It's fairly convincing. Um, you go out with three straight wins. You know, obviously you'd love to uh, hindsight. The, the Nebraska game is a big miss for them this year, uh, to, to potentially be 500 right now, but still you've got some momentum coming out of it. You're going into signing day, you know, feeling a little bit better. You don't have to work as hard to retain those guys. So, uh, I mean, all in all, given the circumstances of the first five weeks of the season, you'll certainly take it. That last possession for Penn State, it was like it just devolved into like a UFC match between Will Levis and Michigan State defenders. That that lot that last shot that he took on fourth and one, I mean, that was a pop. That was like a boxing match. But here's what you got. There was a throw to, to Kevon Lee mixed in. It was a Will Levis run for no gain. Will Levis run for two. Will Levis run for two. Will Levis run for nine, for five. For one, for three, and then no gain on fourth down. Those were all Will Levis runs. Uh, so th- that was the clear mission was, all right, Will, uh, just, just, uh, be the battering ram and get us to the finish line. And, uh, it was, I think that Jahan Dotson touchdown for the punt return was huge because, uh, like you were saying, you felt pretty good, uh, after, after that long Parker Washington touchdown, his second touchdown. And, and you're thinking, okay, that the talent gap is there. Michigan State has not been a team that it, that is going to be built to come back or, or muster up another second quarter duplication here in the second half. But still, we've seen Michigan State do some mean things to Penn State late in games against their defensive secondary, and we saw that again in the second quarter. So I think it was great to pad that, and it also was deflating for, for Michigan State on the road, how their season has gone. To me, that was the dagger, the Jahan Dotson punt return. He looked good doing it. He showed off some acceleration. Um, and, and, and really quickly, Parker Washington, your guy, you've been stumping for him, uh, on social media for, for Big Ten freshman of the year. And you, and you reiterated you weren't kidding about that because he had two touchdowns today, 95 yards, shown in, in eight games now. Five times he has surpassed 70 yards through the air. Uh, he also has six touchdowns receiving. This has become a formidable duo, uh, one-two punch with Dotson and Parker Washington in an offense and with a quarterback uh, that has not been consistent. That That's a pretty good duo. I think it rivals uh, you know just about any that we've seen in recent years from Penn State as the top two wide receivers. The production, there's no question about it where the production has been, but you're talking about a true freshman as part of that equation. It's really good stuff, and this is not a year where you can point to a ton of of star freshman performances across the conference. Yeah, and Keandre Lambert-Smith has not been bad either. It's it's interesting about that. Yeah, and I was talking to Tom Vaharen from ESPN um, about the freshman of the year site, and you know, it's it's. It's whatever. It's an award. It's, it's very cool. Um, grand scheme of things doesn't mean all that much, not a ton, but you look at across the, uh, the, across the conference and there's not a ton of big freshman numbers. I think that a lot of that has to do with what the Big Ten did to sort of start and stop everybody's practice. And I think it kind of stunted some growth from some freshmen. Parker Washington seems to be an exception for that. He's been very, very good. Um, you, you, another positive that you mentioned earlier, Lamont Wade, 29 yards per, per kick return the, uh, today. What's interesting about that, I will say this, it's probably as natural as we've seen Lamont Wade look on the football field. Um, you know, he was obviously got a, a background as a running back and, you know, played a bunch of positions at Clareton, but with his hands on the ball, um, looked more natural than he has a lot of times when he was playing defensive back. So, uh, kudos to him for that. I think Jaquan Brisker coming into his own was, was good. Special teams were better today. Jordan Stout, uh, getting plenty of hang time on those punts. It's just a matter of getting it out there and, and getting a little further. I think he did a better job of that today. Tackling still an issue at times. Saw Ellis Brooks miss a, a pretty bad one on a big gain uh, today, but a little bit better in that aspect. Um, would like to see the running back featured a little bit more. I think that's something that they 
can sort of come well, you got the fullback, Sean. What you you want mm-hmm. running back now? You already got the fullback. Yeah, I know, and that's another thing is the just flipping quarterbacks in and out. I'm not sure what the end game is there, but uh, well, Franklin was asked about that after the was. game, and 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 there was also a mention of 2021, which as you as you kind of anticipated, Franklin's kind of brushed that aside very quickly and vigorously. He hit the, he hit the middle finger under the table <laughs> yeah. when that was asked. I mean, yeah. he was asked, you know, is the two quarterback plan here is that sustainable? Because Franklin has been mentioning for for weeks now. And at first, you weren't sure to believe him. You thought maybe he was just trying to soften the blow for if Clifford got benched or if Levis was benched and Clifford was in. He was saying, we're going to need both of them. And you're like, okay, like one emotionally and one physically. Nope. Both of them on the field on possession after possession. That's two games in a row where it's become clear. It was pretty clear against Michigan, but now it's becoming commonplace. And he says, expect that to be the case for whoever they play next week in this week nine matchup. But he said, I wasn't ready to commit to that kind of an approach for 2021. And of course, the easy out for him there is usually he doesn't talk beyond the upcoming opponent. So he was not going to venture down that road. Yeah, a lot of 1-0 talk uh, from everybody this week because I think you even asked some guys about, uh, you know, potentially looking ahead. And I it's asked just, Simmons uh, twice this week. About, just keep about going it. back to yeah. the 1-0 talk. I guess yeah. that's that's kind of where you're at. But, you know, to their credit, they've gone 1-0 the last three weeks. It's mm-hmm. been, uh, you know, better to watch. I, know I wouldn't brand this as an entertaining football team or anything like that, but they're not here to entertain. They're here to win. Uh, they've done that. They've they've pushed it across the line. They're going in, in the right direction at least you know, kind of considering the 0 and 5 start, they're, they're going in the right direction. So it's, uh, it's been better. Uh, it hasn't been, I wouldn't label it as fun either, but, uh, you know, they've gotten the job done and they, they do deserve some credit because at the end of the day, as Shaka Tony said, it's pretty hard to win football games. And I think that's something people lose sight of. You think you're supposed to be better than everybody. We just look at the Big Ten standings right now. Look at standings all over the country. It hasn't worked out quite, uh, quite that way. So, um, you know, big win over Michigan State. Not a great Michigan State team, but at the same time, big win over Michigan State to get to three and five and, and sort of, um, keep the life in the program. And that's, that's been something that you, you were worried about. You were sort of on the edge for a while there, potentially 0 and 8 on the table. To their credit, they've bounced back, uh, big plays offensive, offensively, defensively. Some of the older guys have stepped up and that's been good to see. Um, so I think that's really what you can take from that. I, I wouldn't look too i uh, wouldn't look too deeply into uh where they're at right now and think that this is the product that you're going to see on the field next year um but at the same time you've, you've got uh, holes that certainly need to be addressed you're thinking when it's 0 and 5 and this team's heading to ann arbor uh, are they just kind of gonna put their head down and 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 limp their way to to just try to get to whenever someone can say that's enough football season's over you can all go home it was. We were wondering if that might be kind of the mindset, including James Franklin, because of what we were hearing from him. There has been a, a, a revigorized, uh, a reinvigorized group here, and I don't even know if that's the right word uh, or a word. I don't even know if that is yeah, a word. But, yeah, but but this has been a surreal uh, year and a surreal kind of turn of events here in the few weeks. So there's a surreal word to apply to it because Franklin has been fired up in a way that we haven't seen in a very long time here in the last week or so. Um, we've gotten a little bit of that from the players. We saw a lot of smiles on the field after this one. Just the kind of joy that has been, that was zapped from this program, it felt like. And you are, and you were wondering why would it make sense for this team to play a week nine game? Why would it make sense for this team to want to try to play a bowl game when we weren't even talking about bowls, of course, at 0 and 5, even though everybody gets an invite this year, potentially. Now, Jahan Dotson, Jaquan Brisker, I have a story up uh, right before we, we came on and started recording. Those guys want to play a bowl game. And, and and Jahan Dotson is somebody who I feel like you talk to Jahan Dotson, you get a pretty good feel for what the pulse is of this program. Remember, uh, I think when the team fell to 0-3 at Maryland, he had mentioned uh, a lot of distractions, not feeling like everyone was 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 folk tunnel visioned and on, on the football season and winning games. You know, today he said uh, they they want a bowl game. They, they want to go. They want to play. They want to be together as long as they can. Jaquan Brisker echoed a lot of that and, and said he felt like this team, the togetherness was building. And for a team to be able to kind of, I guess, organically cultivate that, considering where they were just a few weeks ago and considering the, the isolation that they're still living within, it would not have been difficult to, to you know, to, to understand why they may want to disband and go their separate ways for a month or so and catch their breath and come back and try to do it all over again in 2021. Instead, 
kind of clamped down, it seems. And, and despite some big losses injury-wise, no opt-outs. And, and here we are, a three-game win streak. And they're talking about playing beyond Christmas and maybe getting to 500. Now, we don't know what the bull schedule is going to look like. Those options are dwindling. We saw Pitt and Boston College, two six-win teams out of the ACC, already announce, hey, uh, that's enough for us this year on the football field. It's been taxing. Uh, we're good. We're going to let our players go home. Uh, we'll see in 2021. We'll hear. We'll see what we hear from the headman because I think we've gotten you know uh, some some messages from Franklin through these recent comments in, in the last few days and weeks. Where is it feasible? Does it make sense? We talked about that earlier this week. But I'll tell you what, it sounds like these players want a shot to keep competing. It sounds like they're feeling good about themselves. And and to be honest, between that and this team actually getting to play all eight games. I think the number was actually dipped into the single digits this weekend, Sean, of Power 5 programs, which there are 65 of, who have played all the games in their schedule. I believe it dipped into single digits. Penn State is one of those programs. So for better, for worse, ugly, bizarre, all that, you got your fill of Penn State football. We sure as heck didn't know that was going to be the case coming into September. Penn State, Rutgers, and Iowa, three teams in the Big Ten that have played all eight games. Got a trivia question for you, Tyler. Who's got the third best, or excuse me, the fifth best record in the Big Ten right now? When you ask me trivia questions, I just assume Rutgers is the answer. No, that, well, I asked you the best, <laughs> and that's not that's not it. Uh, Minnesota at three and three by uh, by oh. winning percentage is the fifth best. Penn State or Big Ten has four top twenty five teams right now. Uh, but yeah, that after Win that, percentage. it just okay. kind of falls off. Wins. Falls off the table. Yeah. Okay. Rutgers is there with wins tied at tied with Penn State at three and five. That's uh, it's a sobering look at the Big Ten because it's not uh, it's not great, Bob. No, it's not. Uh, Northwestern, Ohio State, uh, barring any <laughs> barring any issues, which sure that it is hard to bar issues these days. But they're gonna they're gonna meet in Indianapolis, determine the Big Ten title, uh, and it looks like that would be enough to get Ohio State with a six and zero record, no matter what Dabo Sweeney seems to think about it, into the college football playoff. And we'll see what all comes from that. Right now, the focus for Penn State, by the way, uh, who are you gonna play? Where are you gonna play? When are you gonna play? There's early signing period. A lot to sort through for James Franklin and his staff with a short amount of time to do it. By the way, go take a look at Alliance 24-7 right now. Crystal Ball pick is up from Steve Wiltfong. That's very intriguing. We'll get into that next episode, but figured I'd throw that out there. Uh, But yeah, recruiting is about to mesh in a big way with the end of this season. And Sean, we'll see what that Week 10, if there is is, is a bowl game, because could be scary. I mean, I I don't know if you're going to play. Uh, 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 I don't think so, because I don't think there's a lot of teams to find in the Big Ten that you say, wow, that's a really good team. So I don't think you're playing a really good team next week in week nine. You may play a really bad team and maybe you get to a fourth win. We'll see what that bowl game waits, because right now they're projected uh, CBS going into this week in the Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte. North Carolina finished their season. That's the projected opponent. Eight and three on the season, and they just put up 62 points against the the 10th ranked Miami Hurricanes. So be careful what you wish for, because a four game win streak in the Big Ten is a nice way to finish. Uh, and and if you get to a bowl, you maybe you set yourself up to get exposed a little bit coming out of the Big Ten. But I, I, it sounds like these guys want a shot, and you got to respect that, because again, in this year of all years, you can understand them saying that's enough. But they want to keep playing. It sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like it. And uh, I think North Carolina may have played its way into the Orange Bowl today. <laughs> so hey, that, maybe that, maybe Miami falls back to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Who knows? Maybe. And uh, yeah, I mean, the more Mayo Bowl talk, the better. But uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably where <laughs> we should leave it for this week. Yeah, we'll leave it right there. We appreciate everybody, as always, for joining us. Uh, th- these post-game podcasts got some wins to talk about of late. We'll see if that continues. We'll Find out soon, hopefully, uh, about Penn State's Week 9 opponent. We'll jump into that up on the site lines 24-7. And this week, a ton of coverage coming your way. It's the early signing period. 15 players committed to Penn State right now. Might that number grow very soon? We'll find out Wednesday through Friday. A lot of content coming your way. For now, stepping aside on behalf of Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24-7 Podcast.